Hello, everyone, and welcome to A-Ball with Eric Ose. I am Eric Ose, and welcome to episode number 17, as this week we'll be talking with one of the Lumber Kings catchers, J.D. Osborne, a character, if there ever was one. Always fun talking with J.D. He had taken some time with us when we were out in Dow Diamond, part of a Lumber Kings series win against the Los Angeles Dodgers single-A affiliate, the Great Lakes Loons, for what has been simply put the hottest team here in the Midwest League. We were talking about how successful the Lumber Kings had been on our last episode. Well, not a whole lot has changed, folks. They've now won 20 games, the first team to do so in the second half. We are recording this following a loss, though, on a Sunday matinee at Cooley Law School Stadium, the home of the Lansing Lugnuts, single-A affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays. But that has really been an anomaly as of late. The first team to reach the 20-win mark in the second half are the Clinton Lumber Kings in sole possession of first place, doing so with some really outrageous offensive performances. It seems like everyone, one through nine in the lineup, has been heating up, some of them hotter than others, but certainly has been impressive to watch the likes of Connor Scott, who we had touched on last week. His hitting streak, it has continued now up to a 12 straight games. It was 11 coming into the action today until a double, and that's what Connor's been doing as of late. Now 23 of them on the season for Connor Scott. The average continuing to rise. His one-for-four performance, seeing his average now at 254 on the season following the Sunday game against the Lansing Lugnuts. And also, you've got the likes of Peyton Burdick. He's been hitting around 500 RBIs all over the place. Peyton Burdick just, we had a, on the podcast last week, he's in just 26 games with the Lumber Kings, again recording this on July 21st after Sunday's game, and he's got 22 RBIs. Lumber Kings are also seeing performances from the likes of Thomas Jones and Bubba Hollins, Evan Edwards. He had homered in back-to-back games, including a very dramatic one, really both dramatic home runs, but none more dramatic on Saturday night's win on July 20th here against Lansing. It came in the top of the 10th inning. The Lumber Kings coming from behind, trailing 3 to nothing at one point, and would win it in the 10th inning to take game one of a three-game series with the Lugnuts. It is how the Lumber Kings have won now all their games on this Eastern Division tour of the road trip for the final time in the 2019 regular season. Three wins, three come from behind efforts. And it may be odd to think about that, because if you're following the Lumber Kings, you'd think, well, one of those wins was pretty lopsided. It was 16-7. to How was that possible? Well, not only was it possible, it was the largest come-from-behind win of this road trip. Lumber Kings had trailed 4 to nothing. Alberto Guerrero in a very uncharacteristic rough start, chased in the first inning after just two-thirds of an inning, allowing four runs because he walked five guys in the frame, so he had thrown quite a few pitches in addition to only getting the two outs, and then all of a sudden the bats, they came alive. Two runs in the following frame to prove the Lumber Kings had an answer it's what we'll be joking with with J.D. Osborne because, well, he hit a home run to start what turned out to be one of three home runs for the Lumber Kings in that game. Will Banfield would hit the first grand slam for the Lumber Kings this season later on in the contest, and the Lumber Kings would go out to a thumping 16-7 to of the Great Lakes Loons. We'll be spending some time talking about it, even though it was a couple of days ago. When you have a, a day like that, it's fun to highlight. It's also one of those old stories you hear in baseball of, I had a good season today, and that was the case for the Lumber Kings. The most runs they had scored all season long. In fact, it was the most runs scored by a Lumber Kings team going back to 2016, so four years of baseball and they had not equaled it until they had beaten the loons 16 to 7 on 
It's Thursday night out at Dow Diamond. In addition to that, they had 17 hits. That was a season high as well. You had performances up and down the board by the Lumber Kings, one through nine, as you would imagine, and then a, a phenomenal pitching performance that shouldn't be lost in all of the offense by Elkin Alcala. He set a professional career high with four and a third innings of relief, really steadied the game for the Lumber Kings after the brief appearance and abbreviated start by Alberto Guerrero in that appearance. They then went on to beat the Loons and again come from behind fashion on the final night, Friday night, game three of that three-game series. And thanks to Evan Edwards, the first of his two consecutive homer days, he would tie the game with a home run, a solo shot in the seventh inning. Lumber Kings would then go on to win it on a wild pitch. And after 99 games in the 2019 season, the Lumber Kings are now 53-45. and 45. And as we mentioned, in first place in the Western Division during the second half, the dramatics has been impressive to watch, but also with the offense, which of course is going to gather the headlines, right? I mean, Greg Maddox said it best that chicks dig the long ball. Well, everyone, they dig the long ball, and you don't really think about the defense, but it has been incredibly impressive. Now, we do record this after Sunday's matinee loss in which three errors were committed, but we'll just call that an anomaly for right now because for the first time in the 2019 season, the Lumber Kings went an entire series without committing an error, doing so against the Great Lakes Loons, and it has just been a 180 turnaround for what we had seen in the first half, granted here in the Midwest League, the first half usually means temperatures in the 30 and 40 degree range to begin the season, so it's kind of hard to feel your hands, which we are told is important to field your position. They had committed and have committed 120 errors now on the season, 96 of which, though, came in the first half, only 24 in the second half so far for the Lumber Kings. It has been a turnaround that's seen the fielding percentage slowly creep up, no longer listed as the worst defensive team by way of errors and fielding percentage. In fact, for a large portion of the first half of the season for the Lumber Kings, they had the worst fielding percentage and the most errors committed in all of professional baseball. That is no longer the case. They've moved up four spaces in those categories with the result of really just steady defense that has really made the pitching shine. Now the pitching's been there all season long, but now you factor in a defense that's not committing a whole lot of mistakes and it just keeps mowing guys down. And when you've got a six-man rotation, seven if you count the piggyback performance of Manuel Rodriguez, the Lumber Kings have an embarrassment of riches here that's beginning to click and there is only been really one blemish so far and it does come from a highly touted prospect and that is Tyler Kolick. Now we had Tyler Kolick on our pregame show and we'll try to get him on the podcast at some point this season. A second overall pick by the Miami Marlins in the 2014 draft. Kolick had made an appearance in that 16-7 win that we were highlighting for the Great Lakes Loons and unfortunately had been one of the few blemishes for the Lumber Kings. Alberto Guerrero chased in the first and also Tyler Kolick in the seventh inning. Just a wild hair up his nose, allowed three runs, and the Loons did so without the benefit of a hit. Kolick would walk four batters in that appearance and just struggled to throw strikes and really anywhere near the plate as he was uncorking wild pitches that were way over the reach of his catcher, Will Banfield, and the fastball that we were expecting around 100, 102 miles per hour, a guy that is dealing with some injuries on the road to recovery. It was around 94 miles per hour, we'd say it had topped out as. Now we're expecting that to slowly climb, but a guy that is battling back from Tommy 
John. He had a rib taken out, too, from an injury. Tyler Kolick, a 23-year-old hard-throwing right-hander from Shepard, Texas. It has only been his third appearance of the season, so a limited sample size for Kolick, but just something to mention, too, on what I imagine will be one of the Lumber Kings' options here down the stretch in what's becoming a playoff run here in the second half. Well, J.D. Osborne, he's been part of that playoff run, and he'll be joining us next talking about long balls and, of course, hockey. J.D.'s a, a good old Canadian boy, as he tells us, and also we're going to have some fun with him asking about his most embarrassing moment of his baseball career. J.D. Osborne joins us next on A-Ball with Eric Ose. And welcome back to A-Ball with Eric Ose. We're now joined by one of the Lumber Kings catchers, J.D. Osborne. Thanks for taking some time to talk with us here on the podcast side of things. Pleasure. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for having me. And the Lumber Kings, it was kind of funny when we were setting this up because we were going over the interview and what would work for time-wise, and you said, oh, maybe come back after I have a good game. Well, that was the case because we record this on July 19th after the Lumber Kings' very lopsided win over the Great Lakes Loons. Osborne had one of the three home runs, a three-hit performance for you, so I guess a good place to start. What was working so well for you at the plate, as well as a lot of other Lumber Kings in that lineup last night? Oh, just simplify, man. That's it. Just trying to stay as basic as possible, you know, not think about too much. I mean, Obviously, it's a beautiful field, so you kind of get fired up coming to a real nice ballpark to play. But, yeah, just taking it one one strike, one pitch, one at a time. And that was the case for Lumber Kings, we should say, playing at Dow Diamond, the single-A affiliate for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And that first home run for Osborne started off the three home runs for the Lumber Kings. Later on in that inning, Will Banfield had the first home or grand slam as a Lumber King this season. And we've been with J.D. all season long because you've been here since opening day. So what has the 2019 season been like for you at a full-length season like you are here in the Midwest League with the Lumber Kings? <laughs> uh, it's been up and down, man. I mean... Uh coming in uh just kind of have like not the backup role but i mean obviously banfield's gonna get the majority behind the dish um yeah just trying to contribute any way that i can to the team you know um being a clubhouse guy swinging the bat like i do um and then just filling in defensively where they need me so just trying to put it together try to put together a season you know because you're not playing every day so you just got to stay warm in areas you know keep everything to a basic to just as simple as possible so how does that go in with the role too because you mentioned Banfield you know is going to be getting the lion's share of the playing time and what that's meant for you is we've seen you into the DH role at times to get that bat into the lineup we've also seen you over at first base so does that change just the complexion of going into this season knowing that you know you're going to have to move around a little bit more to get those at bats that you're looking for I mean I kind of I kind of expect that um just because defensively, I mean, I don't have, like, one sound position. So, I mean, my position basically is to hit. So, um, I try and keep my bat as fresh as possible. You know, I'm always in the cage getting work done. And uh, I just like to keep my options open as well defensively. And they – the, I mean, the organization, but my, like, manager, Mike Jacobs, he sees that I have the ability to play other positions. So, it kind of works out and helps out the team – 
uh, just get my bat in the lineup, but just trying to contribute any way that I can. And that bat, too, as we mentioned last night, the sixth home run of the season. So we've seen the pop from J.D., and I guess a, a good portion to, to – a kind of highlight on the schedule was when you hit your first home run of the season, it, it began a power surge for Osborne because you were hitting home runs just about every day. I think it was three straight, maybe four straight games of home run balls. So I've heard about hitting being contagious. Is that the case also for power? If you just get in a groove, you see the ball well and you can drive it? Or is that just happenstance as it happened to be? I don't even know, man, honestly. <laughs> I guess that's the million dollar question, right? Honestly, I guess. I guess that's what the, you got to ask a big leaguer that, man. But no, I mean... I mean, there's obviously times where you feel way better, where you're not really thinking about much. You're just playing. And then there's times where, like, you, you could be uh, struggling a little bit and you start maybe manipulating too much or just thinking too much, overthinking. And um, that could affect you. So I normally just try and keep it main, like as flat as possible, you know. Don't get up too high. Don't get down too low and just kind of have a nice happy medium. So. And you have to do that for this season as, I mean, the Lumber Kings in a 139-game schedule getting ready for game number 96 here on July 19th in the final game of a three-game series with the Great Lakes Loons. Is that part of the uh, mindset that the Marlins kind of instill with you once you get drafted? Now, you were a 22nd-round pick for the Marlins back in 2018. Was that a uh, uh, something that they told you, like, listen, when you go out to these you know longer seasons, it may, you think, 140 games, no problem, but it's something that you'll have to contend with and you have to mentally be prepared for for such a task uh, I wouldn't say it's like an organization thing I say it's kind of more uh, a personal um, aspect of the game you know it's a long season it's a grind you got to do what it takes to get your body in in shape to play for that many games um, yeah but I think like it's just a personal thing you got to you just got to be ready you know that's why you have a whole off season you got like five months right to get your body in shape for the uh, for the entire season, hundred what is it, forty four games? Well, it's hundred and forty, but then we lost that one game because of the floods and rains down in Quad City. So, so yeah, hundred and thirty nine, a very okay. much more manageable hundred and thirty nine games as opposed to hundred and forty. But hey, who knows? It, it could be more because of the playoffs. That's where the Lumber Kings are right now in first place in the second half. Have you felt anything different with the success the team has had? Because I mean, the offense was stalling towards the end of the first half, and then the second half began as like a a switch had flipped after those first three losses against Wisconsin, and it just seems like this lineup, I mean, you're a big part of it, as we found out last night, too. It just gels a lot more. You're seeing it station to station without the trains running late, so to speak, as they say in baseball, and also some power that's come along. So what have you felt like in the clubhouse has changed with the uh, the offense here in the second half? Uh, kind of just even kill, like I said before, just staying playing, you know? I mean, whereas a, a lot of guys maybe not have had the – first half of the season that they might have wanted to have or they did and you know they're kind of just getting back to even playing and having a a happy medium mindset um also the addition of a few guys uh that we picked up in the draft uh birdies came in he's been smashing um edwards just driving guys in left and right so a couple couple additions in the lineup uh every day you know so it's kind of just stringing together where you can get timely hits it's been working out for us and have you felt there's been some development for you during the season? I mean, that's why you're in the minor leagues, right? To slowly get better as the season goes on and you kind of get adjusted to the competition level here in the Midwest League. Is that something you found yourself to be more familiar with and leading to a little bit more success in the second half? I'd say more so defensively. Um, I, uh, I got drafted as a catcher, but I didn't catch a lot in college. So this is actually like my second uh, full season, you can say, of, of catching. So, I mean, it's been... A huge learning experience just on that side of the game, you know, understanding 
all the situations of the game now and and it comes with calling a game as well too so that's where I've really been uh, taking a lot of pride is calling my games and um, keeping those ERAs real low for the pitchers out there but and obviously winning but <laughs> well of course I mean that's why we're here to win games right and hopefully a championship as well well the Lumber Kings were talking here with JD Osborne one of their catchers and you touched on it a bit just working with this pitching staff and it's a pretty talented one too especially when you look at the starting rotation which seems like it is the majority of the pitchers here because we've got a six-man rotation and one of those is in a piggyback role with Manuel Rodriguez mm-hmm. we've got a power arm in Tyler Kolick who can get it up to 102 miles per hour a second overall pick what is it like to work with this pitching staff you mentioned calling the games kind of getting adjusted to that but also as a catcher a lot of the reasons why they become coaches is because they have a little bit of ego massaging to do during a game and all the the different chess matches that go on what has this pitching staff been like for you because you've been here since opening day yeah I mean it's it's a game within a game back there man it's uh it's different it's a lot of fun though um this pitching staff in particular is awesome to work with. I mean, these guys are also advanced, right? They've been uh, they've been great all season. Um, pitching staff, honestly, though, from a, from my perspective, is we have great starters. We've had great starters all season. I mean, which allows them to go a little deeper into games, and then our bullpen has been lights out as well. You know, just shutting down those seven, eight, nine innings, three innings. You know, um, so it's been a lot of fun, man. Yeah, the pitching staff has been a big reason for this Lumber King success really all season long, and now the offense kind of catching up to it, so it's getting a little scary, so to speak, for everyone <laughs> else. 18-8, and eight, the record for the Lumber Kings, as again, we record this on it July 19th, and you touched on a little bit, too. We wanted to talk about those position changes that you had in college as the University of Tampa, I believe, is where your college career had, I guess, uh, taken baseball to the next level for you, but that was not the original athletic endeavor for J.D. Osborne, <laughs> as we would imagine a Canadian a native this was a hockey guy and as we talked oh, yeah. on the pregame show you said you were a bruiser who liked to fire up the boys with big hits yeah, yeah. So I was wondering if you could tell us about the hockey career for you oh man it was awesome um played triple a hockey my entire life uh you know I, that that was like the main fo- focus especially being from up north right I mean we take our hockey very seriously so um when I was younger I thought that was like the route that I was going to go in in life you know I mean I didn't I didn't practice baseball as much, you know, it was just something that we did in the summertime. That, I mean, it was all, we were very serious and very competitive. We had an awesome team growing up, but hockey was the main focus. And until that dream got, uh, not I wouldn't say crushed, but I mean, until that dream ended when I was about 17 years old, 16, 17 years old, I didn't get drafted to the OHL. Um, so I just figured that, I mean, I got to do something else, you know. So and baseball was working out at the time. And then shortly after I got asked to uh, play on Team Canada, so, yeah, that's where the baseball career took off. But as far as hockey, man, <laughs> um, I loved it. I, I, I still love it, man. It's great. It's, uh, it's a very characteristic building. Um, being around all the, all the guys in the clubhouse, too, you got so many personalities uh, similar to the baseball locker room. I mean, any locker room is going to have that. But, I mean, that, I think that was a lot of fun being a part of those guys. Did, were you being scouted at all? I mean, you mentioned that you were maybe getting drafted, or at least a hope to be drafted. But uh, uh, I, pl- I played at the level where uh, where you were getting scouted, and um, I mean, it just didn't work out for me. I don't know. I wish I could go back and talk to the scouts, you know, at the time or right now, and just be like, "Hey, like, what did you see, or what didn't you see?" You know, what's the deal? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, no, dude, it was so much fun. Like, I loved uh, I loved reading the plays, man. I loved laying guys out, you know, big hits. That was huge, firing the boys up, like I said, and, uh, you know, like making plays. That was 
I mean, that's why I think catching comes into it a little bit, you know, like kind of reading uh, the other team's offense, uh, reading their defense as well. So kind of goes hand in hand. You're still a big hockey fan too because I remember when the Stanley Cup playoffs were going on. I didn't need to watch ESPN. I could just kind of listen in the back of the bus at the uh, <laughs> analysis of different games that yeah. had gone on. Oh, yeah. So that's a, a big passion still for J.D. Osborne. And then you get uh, a chance to continue the uh, baseball side of things, which, as you mentioned, maybe not at the, uh, the foreground for you uh, originally. And what was it like at the University of Tampa? Because that's when the positions began to change a little bit, and mm-hmm. that's eventually where you get drafted and a professional career in baseball begins. Yeah, Tampa was awesome, Man, I mean, such a beautiful city. Was it um, done just because of the weather? Because I imagine Tampa's a little bit warmer than Canada. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, it was uh, – I played actually at Polk State in Florida too, two years before going to Tampa. So I was kind of acclimated uh, to the weather. Um, as far as the city-wise, though, when I first got to Tampa, it was, uh, it was awesome, man. And I had so much freedom too with the, with the organization there. So it was awesome. Uh, just a great experience. But – yeah, they, I started dabbling a little bit at first base, a little bit of catching, not much, but uh, primarily at third base. And that's where I actually thought that I might have an opportunity to play at the next level, you know, is playing at a corner position. Um, but then they, uh, the Marlins, I guess, saw something else, you know, and said, might as well get you behind the dish. So, What was the coaching staff like for you in Tampa where they were moving you around on the infield and then in, uh, the catching role, which... I always I joked with you, I think, on the pregame show when we had you out in Wisconsin that it makes sense. I mean, a former hockey guy, lots of, uh, you know, equipment, and that's kind of what a catcher does. A lot of punishment, too, as a catcher, too, so that fits the mold as well. But, you know, what was what was that like when they first told you, like, hey, we're going to maybe move you behind the plate a little bit? Was there some nerves that maybe were associated with such a decision? No, I wouldn't say nerves, man. I would just say, like, uh, it's a new position, you know, so you're kind of optimistic. And, um I mean, I kind of have the personality and the in the grinder mentality, um, which kind of suits like a catcher who gets beat up a lot. You know, he's kind of thinking all the time about what's happening, scenarios constantly, um, sequencing with pitching and uh, and handling an offense. You know, so I th- I feel like my personality would be behind the dish. You know, it's a little bit more rough around the edges, which is basically me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering, too, if you could relay the story of when you got drafted, because that, that was a great story, right? You're mentioning, you know, you're back home and, and your mom <laughs> tells you what had happened. So I was wondering if you could just tell us the moment that you found out that a pro career had begun. Wow, when I got drafted, uh, kind of like a roller coaster of emotions at the time. You know, you think you're going, but you don't. And like, you, I haven't really talked to many teams. You know, I mean, I talked to a fair amount, but it wasn't anything in stone. Um, I had a meeting actually with uh, with a Mets uh, scout, and he came over to my apartment in Tampa, and he's like, "Hey, man, uh, we got a workout coming up in a couple of weeks, and this is near like the end of the season at Tampa." And I'm thinking, like, "All right, I might actually have a shot to get drafted. I could like play at the next level. That'd be cool." Uh, and then I didn't hear anything from like nothing. I didn't hear anything uh, from any other team, so I was kind of just going into it a little bit blind, you know, and then. Uh, Couple of my, couple of my really good buddies got picked up, and I was like, "Dude, that's awesome!" Like, I was so pumped for him, so stoked. And then all of a sudden, I was like, "You know, I'm gonna go cut the lawn while like my mom was like fixing up some lunch and stuff." And I would just go outside, mow the lawn, and then all of a sudden, my mom came outside, and she's like, "JD, you just been drafted!" And I'm mowing the lawn. I got my headphones on, listening to music. I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> so, and then it was, uh, it was on from there. You know, we had a good time. We celebrated, and then. You know, just got ready to play. 
That is how the professional career had begun for J.D. Osborne. <laughs> uh, I, I guess it's always a great moment, too, when you get drafted, right? Because that's where a lot of hard work had paid off. And for you, kind of an yeah. unusual journey because most baseball players, they don't go the hockey route. But that is the yeah. case for uh, our guest here, J.D. Osborne. When we had you here for the uh, beginning of the season, as we mentioned, you've been with the Lumber Kings since opening day. So what has it been like with this uh, coaching staff that we've seen that a lot of high praises have been sung for guys like Mike Jacobs? You've got the pitching coach and Mark DeFelice, Frank Moore, who's been a veteran in the Miami Marlins organization now for, I think, 11 seasons. So what has this coaching staff been like in, in helping that development here in 2019? Man, these guys are great. They're so reasonable with everything. You know, the, um, they're, they're just great mentors. That's what I'll, I'll call them all mentors um, at a personal level, at a baseball level. You know, these, they're, they're just great, man, all around. They, um, they are your shoulder when you need to cry, and they're – you know, the guy that's going to punch you in the shoulder and tell you, you know, like, let's go, tighten up. So they're great mentors all around. And I guess it helps, too, as you mentioned, that, that long season, too. It's 139 games. I think Mike Jacobs kind of said it best when we had him on the podcast for our first episode that, you know, it's hard not to get attached with everyone in the clubhouse because, I mean, you see these guys more than you see your family. It's six months, Honestly. and, you know, you're eating together. <laughs> you're going to the same hotels, and you're really at the ballpark all day long. So yeah. what, what is that like, too? In the Because you mentioned you're a big clubhouse guy. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you got we just pulled you from a game of cards to come up here to, <laughs> yep. to talk on the podcast. So what goes into that? Uh, I I guess the the joviality with with this group of guys because the 2019 Lumber Kings they seem like a pretty tight knit group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like it's kind of just a mindset where like if you build around a family and a foundation and you pull for one another, then eventually at the end goal you'll get what you want, you know. So um, whereas it's kind of it's ironic because minor leagues is kind of individual. Baseball is pretty individual when it comes to uh the minor leagues and getting up to the bigs and then they say it's about winning but i mean if you if you drive together as a team if you drive together for you know you root for one another um i i feel i really truly believe that if you bring together a bunch of guys and they're all going towards the same goal and want to get better at the same time then you'll have the outcome that you want at the end of the day. And lately, that's what the Lumber Kings have been doing. As we mentioned, 18-8, and eight, but that's really not uh, telling the whole story because what the Lumber Kings are have won 18 of their last 23 games. That is how successful they have been. Lots of offense, great pitching. And before we let you go, as we mentioned, you've been here since opening day, so we had you fill out a questionnaire, oh, and I pulled it out. Here. So I just wanted to to get your, your thoughts on this and maybe a little in-depth answer. And we asked, what was your most embarrassing moment on the field or oh, off man. of it? And you said it try to go first to third on pass ball broke my hand on the slide at third and was thrown out by 15 feet so where was that oh man <laughs> and, uh, we were in west florida <laughs> we were in west florida i was with Tampa by the time um <laughs> uh i think it was my senior year man and uh you know we're kind of we're, we're grooving as a team it's a little bit early and like um we're just like trying to figure each other out still as a squad. I mean, we spent the whole fall together, but obviously when you get into competitive games, it changes a little bit. So we're at a time when we're like just starting to like gel together and get like our offense going connected with our uh, defense and, uh, and our pitching staff. And all of a sudden uh, <laughs> we go into a game, uh, West Florida, and I think I had a single or something. I'm on first base. And there's a pass ball, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm feeling good, right? Like I'm, I'm not the fastest guy, man, but like I'm, at times I think I am. So, I started scooting over to second, and I'm like peeking in, 
and I see that the ball is like all the way to the backstop, and the catcher's kind of just dogging it. And I'm like, oh, I got this, dude. He's, he baits me in. He kind of like jogs over and like doesn't pick it up. And I'm like, I'm going. I got this. And then I'm like three quarters of the way, and I just see the guy, the third baseman, catch the ball. And I'm like, no way. So I like, I just dive. And he took a step up, and when I dove, my hand hit his foot. And my coach is just, like, screaming at me, like, what are you doing? Like, you got no wheels, man. Like, where are you going? Uh, yeah, man, it was it was actually brutal. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you out for? I think, like, a week or two. That was it for a broken hand? That's, yeah, that's not too bad. Wow, no. you really are a hockey guy. Yeah, Hundo. <laughs> I'll play through anything, man. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, sharing the embarrassing story. We yeah. apologize for highlighting it. J.D. Osborne, thanks <laughs> so much right. for taking some time to talk with us here Pleasure, on A-Ball. And welcome back to A-Ball with Eric Ghost. You just heard from the Lumber Kings catcher, J.D. Osborne. We thank him for taking some time to talk with us at a beautiful ballpark out of Dow Diamond, the home of the Great Lakes Loons, the single-A affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Lumber Kings continuing that tour through the Eastern Division, then moved south into Lansing, another gem of a ballpark, the largest in the Midwest League. It seats over 10,000, and that's where we're recording this following Sunday matinee's loss on July 21st to the Lugnuts, the single-A affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays, the Cathedrals of the East, and it certainly isn't lost on the guys. J.D. kind of referenced it during the interview that when you play in front of these beautiful ballparks in front of large crowds, it's hard not to be pumped up, and it seems like the Lumber Kings have responded to that with some power bats, great pitching, and just airtight defense. It's been a recipe for success for anyone, but there's been few flaws in the Lumber Kings games as of late, and it's why they currently own the best record in all of the Midwest League. As we had mentioned when we had come in, a 20-9 and record in the second half, the first team to reach the 20-win milestone in the Midwest League during the second half, a 53-45 and record overall in the season, and currently in sole possession of first place on top of the Kane County Cougars, which are the single-A affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks, which means there will be a very important series that will be coming up. This episode, of course, will be coming out on Wednesday, just a couple of days from now, and that will be a good time to listen to it because it's when the Lumber Kings take on the Kane County Cougars for an all-important three-game series at home. It is going to be the final three home games of the month of July, running from July 24th through the 26th to really what for the Lumber Kings, no matter what, they'll be in first place. So they'll be tied for first or have a one or two game lead, depending on how the final games here in Lansing fold out. And then the league-wide off day on Tuesday, which will be used for travel, which will mean the Lumber Kings will probably get in around, oh, I don't know, three, four o'clock in the morning, a bit further away out here in the Eastern Division. And then it'll be nothing but the Western Division. Now, when we last spoke to you, we didn't have any roster moves to report and that is still the case. The Lumber Kings have been sticking with the same 25-man roster, and that is a good thing And starting to see some familiarity now for all of these guys. We did want to highlight one skid that did come to an end. We touched on Connor Scott with a 
hitting streak that has now reached 12 games, an on-base streak that has also reached 19 games on the season for Connor. Those are both the second most in the Midwest League. He's reaching Gerard and Carnacion territory. Gerard had begun the season with a 12-game hitting streak, also a 20-game stretch of reaching base safely for Gerard and Carnacion. And Connor Scott, he could equal that total come the final game against the Lansing Lugnuts. But the one stretch that did come to an end, a skid at the plate, if you will, was Zach Scott. One of the Lumber Kings infielders, a left-handed second baseman that was and is the only returner from last year. Zach Scott, the son of Dick Scott, the director of player development, who we played a brief interview with earlier in this podcast history, and a former Seattle Mariners prospect. That's how he was out with the Lumber Kings a season ago. Well, now in the Miami Marlins organization, Zach, he was going through a skid where he was 0 for his last 27 at-bats, but he certainly picked a good spot to end it. There were 13 strikeouts during that skid as well, but an RBI single and a win on Saturday night at Cooley Law School Stadium in front of a crowd of over 8,000 fans here in Lansing, Michigan, and that had ended that skid. It gave the Lumber Kings their first run of the game, going to come from behind win where they had trailed 3 to nothing at one point to the Lugnuts. That has been part of the Lumber Kings' keys to success in the second half, a team that, that never says die. We're borrowing that from the Goonies, I guess we can say, because the come-from-behind efforts are, are now a team that you just don't expect to be out of any game. I mean, the offense, it's been so sharp that you think, well, certainly they can string some hits together. And now a team that's beginning to have the pop. Peyton Burdick has had some home runs as of late. We mentioned Evan Edwards with back-to-back home run games. Well, Banfield had the first grand slam for the Lumber Kings back in that 16-7 win against the Great Lakes Loons. But we did want to touch before we let you go on Will Banfield behind the plate. And I think we'll just call it what probably was his worst defensive game of his professional career, and I imagine we won't see it again. Banfield, we highlight all the time for his defense because, well, not enough can be said about it. He's got one of the best arms that you will ever see behind the plate. He's only 19 years old. The power is beginning to develop. That poolside power that you hear about from scouts and certainly on display during that Grand Slam out in Great Lakes. But what will always be mentioned for Will first is the defense. And in that Sunday matinee loss, as we record this following it on July 21st, uncharacteristically, six stolen bases against him with out catching any lug nut stealing. And to borrow the phrase from the rap artist Drake, the loons were on, or rather the lug nuts were on the move like the lease is up. It was just kind of odd to see because, well, Will had come into the contest with a percentage of throwing out would-be base dealers that was closer to 60%. That will now drop after going 0 for 6 in that contest against the Lugnuts, going a long way as well to defeat the Lumber Kings in a 4-2 decision in which Three of those six stolen bases came in a three-run rally for the Lugnuts, which turned out to be the decisive factor. But we had joked about it on the broadcast that, you know, for Lumber Kings fans, you can start an argument right now. Who's the hottest of them all? Because, well, you could go about eight or nine different ways with it. Also, Thomas Jones has been fun to watch, too. We had him, saw him with a RBI double in the second inning, just his 36th RBI of the season. Jones, he is heating up. 12 doubles now on this season. The stolen bases are now there, 15 of them on the year, which for Thomas, remember, a season ago out in Greensboro, he had stole 20 of them, so he's well on pace to 
eclipsing that number. And also, with seven home runs on the season, could be on pace to break his season high of 11 home runs out in Greensboro. And so Jones starting to put some things together for the Lumber Kings in what is a stacked outfield between him, Davis Bradshaw, Peyton Burdick, and Connor Scott. Well, at this point, we're going to shamelessly plug the broadcast side of things before we let you go. You can listen to all the Lumber Kings action, of course, if you're in the broadcast range on 100.3 FM WCCI. And for those of you outside of the broadcast range, all Lumber Kings games can be listened to online at LumberKings.com via the TuneIn radio app. That will do it for the episode number 17 of A Ball with Eric Ose. We want to give a special thanks to our guest, J.D. Osborne, for taking some time to talk with us out at Dow Diamond. And we hope that we will have you on the broadcast, see you out at the ballpark at some point during the summer. Lumber Kings, folks, are a fun team to watch right now in first place in the Western Division. Until then, though, we will talk to you next week with another episode of A-Ball with Eric Ghost.